The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sunday MLB Waiver Wire Q&A. My name is Chris Crawford. I am joined today by George Bissell. George, how's it going? Well, I'm doing fantastic. Excited to talk about the hottest team in baseball, the Baltimore Orioles, <laughs> winners of eight straight games, just as oh everyone my. predicted. Yeah, just, the break, so. just as everyone thought the Orioles would be getting themselves back into wildcard contention. Um, for those of you who are joining us live, please send your questions via trade. Be it add this guy for that guy, uh, ask dynasty questions, ask prospect questions, uh, ask us anything. We're uh, pretty open. George is an open book. Sometimes he just won't stop talking about his life, and it's just like, man, just like save some stuff for like later, man. No, it's it's great. Thank you so much for joining us live. Let's talk a little bit about the game we just watched. Orioles win nine to five, like you said, have won eight straight ball games. This is a ton of fun. You know, what's interesting here is nine runs without a home run, which is always fun to see. But they do have three extra base hits. So Jorge Mateo, two for four, uh, 197, 251, 332. But has provided quite a few stolen bases. Is Jorge Mateo rosterable, George? I feel like we had this discussion last year in the late stages of the season. Uh, probably. He's one of those classic guys where the plate skills are just not great and you're going to have to live with that sort of batting average anchor. But this is kind of who we thought he could be. There's a whole class of players like this where if they get the everyday playing time, they're going to be fantasy relevant, especially in deeper formats. So, yeah, I think I like him as sort of like a middle infield type of option. I don't know that I'd want to be relying on him in a shallower mixed league as my my starter because you're just losing so much in terms of of power and – Counting stats, it's tough. This is the whole Billy Hamilton uh, quandary. <laughs> as as uh, we, man, that feels like it really takes me back to the days when we we litigated Billy Hamilton for for years. And, <laughs> yeah, look, if your roster is constructed in a way that you can absorb sort of the hit you're going to take in the other categories, the stolen bases have value, and you want to find guys who can do a little bit of everything in five categories and then chip in some stolen bases. That's that's the most successful foundation for building a fantasy roster. But sometimes you're going to end up with guys who have flawed skill sets, and that's what Mateo brings to the table. And he's definitely going to run enough to be worthy of a spot in deeper mixers, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's just about the fact that, like, there is a reason that Jorge Mateo is hitting 197. This is not bad luck. He is not a good 
hitter. But, you know, the stolen bases, it's like the poor man's John Birdie. But I would much rather have somebody like Birdie on my roster than uh, Mateo, to be completely honest with you. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, I don't even like talking about this, George. The, the Angels, I, I, what do you do? Like, at this point, somebody on Twitter suggested to me that they need to explore straighting Shohei Otani. And honestly, I was like, there's no way in heck you explore it. And then I thought about it some more. If you are the general manager of the Los Angeles Angels, are you exploring trading Shohei Otani? No, not under any circumstance whatsoever. Okay. I'm not even taking that phone call. If if <laughs> No, it's not an option. And here's why. When you're building a roster, the problem the Angels have is they haven't constructed a roster where the pieces around those guys make sense. Right. Any sort of depth addition they've tried to do just has not worked out, whether it's through injuries or ineffectiveness, and then sort of the stopgap, like throwing resources at the problem, that hasn't worked either. So right. I, this is fundamentally a roster-building problem, and it's something that they've experienced for a number of years now where they either haven't been able to develop players that have come in and been effective or the guys they brought in through free agency just haven't worked out like – some of this is bad luck. Anthony Rendon breaking his, his wrist and missing three quarters of the season, whatever it's going yeah. to turn out to be. You can't predict that when you get no. a massive contract. And sure. Yeah, you can blame some of these. These are ownership-level decisions too. Uh, Albert Pujols, that contract, that's an ownership-level decision that did not work out. Right. Justin Upton trade extension, big big ticket you know, acquisition did not work out. So you can go back years and find moves that just simply – have not panned out and there is some talent on this team, but it just hasn't gelled together. I think the way they thought it was going to. And at this point I'm trying to go in a different direction with how I'm constructing my roster and through player development, there just needs to be wholesale changes and that might take a year or two, but that's the direction they need to go. I think it's, it's a leadership and it's a front office uh, shakeup. That's more likely to happen than because, because, if you're intent on changing directions, why would you let this current front office trade Shohei Otani? Are yeah, you going to get the best deal point. then? You'd no. rather have somebody else come. This is what the Red Sox did with Mookie Betts. They let the new regime come in and Heim Bloom make that trade. So I think if that were even remotely possible, that's the direction they'd have to go in. Yeah. The only reason I think I would consider it is I do think you might get somebody who just completely blows you away and offers you a bunch of MLB talent young mlb talent because of how special of a talent shohei otani is but you've got him under contract for another year i, I the well, fact does, we're even does, talking about this is the question insane. i have then is is does otani want to stay with that's the, the angels? thing and it sounds 100%. like he does yes so. that's the thing but if you if he wants to stay with the angels you need to get that extension worked out yeah. now like now that has to be something that you're doing real quick on the angels um who are just so frustrating it, it just breaks my heart. I want to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani playing postseason games. Uh, Michael Stefanik has been really good since his call-up, a guy who has hit really well in the minor leagues, uh, was not a, a tout uh, prospect by any stretch of the imagination, but has hit 389 with 500 on base percentage in a very small sample. Uh, if you needed help at second base, is this someone you might consider, George? Yeah, absolutely. He's getting on base right now. He's been on base, I think, uh, eight times in the last two games. So, yeah. Uh, that's that's a skill he's it's this goes back to the player development question where for a long time they were giving at bats to sort of just run of the mill guys you know now you have like Jonathan VR taking up space and 
you know, you had Tyler Wade, Jack Mayfield. So those were guys where they weren't long-term solutions. And at least with Stefanik, he's a guy who can come in and play every day and it's cost controlled. And that's, that's sort of a piece you can build. And that's the Taylor Ward thing. You know, it took a couple of years, but now you, you might finally have something there. So yeah, sure. absolutely. I, I like the skills he's, he's hit well. And sometimes fantasy, it's just all about finding guys who come up and get hot and then riding the wave. It's, it's really that simple sometimes. So that's, that feels like the situation we're in here. And sometimes you luck out and you end up with, you know, a guy like Whit Merrifield who sticks around for 10 years. So that's just how it goes sometimes. Speaking of Mitt Weir, speaking of Whit Merrifield, every time I want to say Mitt Weirfield, and I have no idea why. I blame Grant Brisby for getting spoonerisms into my head. But speaking of him, we've got a hug watch. He was just removed from the game. That's very interesting. I would love to see Whit Merrifield playing for a contender. Um, the chance for that guy to go steal bases. And he's been much better since an atrocious start to the season. Like as bad as a guy I was completely writing off to be completely honest with you, if he goes plays for a contender and hit at the top of the lineup stock way up. Right, George. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the haul here for the Royals is going to be pretty substantial because he reworked his contract earlier this year. So he right. actually has like a mutual option for 2024. So you're basically getting two and a half years on that deal. And it's pretty manageable cap number as well. So yeah. um, salary wise. So, I think this this could end up being a significant trade. I don't know what it is. I, I've been I've been constantly refreshing here. So if you're listening to this on Monday, you might know. Yeah. Um, or you know, we'll see what it ends up being. But yeah, yeah. Merrifield's. Uh, this is the thing we always talk about with uh, aging curves: is is how does a guy who relies on speed uh, age? Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're looking at sprint speed, a, a lot of stolen base effectiveness is just wanting to do it and being savvy enough to know when to do it. Sure. So he's the type of player who I think has the, the the skills, the prowess to be able to continue doing that for a number of years. But yeah, this is the type of profile that doesn't age super well. So it doesn't shock me that the Royals are kind of making the decision here to uh, maybe move in a different direction. Sure. They're they're at this sort of crossroads in their development track. Absolutely. Too, where, you know, how many years do you go on where it's okay? We don't know where we are. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's the thing too. Is that. And that's – I don't uh, envy Dayton more for put, being in that position. You know what I mean? He's kind of put him in that position a little bit as well. So let, let, we'll be fair on that side of it. Uh, let's answer some questions. Let's start with kind of a bummer. Uh, with Jordan to the IL, rank these fill-ins. Walker, Vogelbach, Voigt, and Duvall. By the way, Jordan, ugh, it, yeah. it really bums me out because, I mean, he's been – he would be a legitimate MVP candidate if not for two, like, borderline historic seasons that are going on for a couple of other guys. Uh, so I assume Walker is Christian Walker, Dan Vogelbot, Voight Duvall. I got to be honest with you. I think I might be w- like just getting too high from the metrics on this. Christian Walker is somebody who really intrigues me right now. As a guy, you take a look at his Savant page. He's hitting – that might be the most unlucky guy who's hitting around 210 that I've ever seen in my entire life because he's making so much hard contact. And it's not like he's striking out a ton. You know, it's it, it, swing and miss is certainly part of his game. Christian Walker would be the guy that I would go get there. Duvall is very close just because I know, like, we can talk about the hot hand being a fallacy or whatever. I have seen that when Adam Duvall is hot, he is as hot as any player in Major League flipping baseball. So that would be the probably second for me. Voigt would be third. Dan Vogelbach just, I, I, I can't do it. I, I, I've seen too many ups and downs with that guy. I've, I've seen ups and downs with Duvall too, but I, I, you have to admit that the ups are so up for those guys. George, how are you ranking them? 
Yeah, I think Walker's in a, in a class all by himself. I'm surprised sure. he's not rostered in more leagues. The batting average doesn't look good, but like you said, he's probably been one of the more unlucky hitters in baseball. Sure. Our, our colleague Colin Henderson and I discussed it on last week's show that Walker's just been phenomenal, and, and a lot of people aren't taking notice of that. So Duvall, he's, I think he's on the paternity list right now, but he's expected to come back early next week. So right. that's a guy where the, the playing time could be an issue because Michael Harris has been so good that he needs to play every day. You have Ronald Acuna still – occupying either designated hitter or right field. And then you have Eddie Rosario back and left. So that you have Marcelo Zuna in the mix. So there's a chance he's not playing every single day, but That's you're right. When he, he's that type of guy who can hit four or five home runs in a week and then not hit one for you know 12 days. And you're wondering what's going on. So, yeah, that would be the order I'd, I'd rank them. And, and it's unfortunate for Alvarez because he basically had, he was the best hitter in baseball in June and, Hand issues, as I'm sure you know more than anybody, you know, yeah. doing this for a long time, they're tricky. Um, sometimes it lingers, and that appears to be what's going on here. So they're going to give yeah. him a little time off to recover, and he should be back after the All-Star break. Yeah, here's hoping. By the way, our buddy Chad says it's right toe discomfort for Whit Merrifield, unfortunately not a trade, which is – thanks for bumming us out, Chad. We really appreciate you uh, chopping in well, and stuff like that. But I was going to say um, – it, it, there wasn't any reporting on any kind of no. – usually when you see a player removed from a game for injury, usually there's yeah. like some play where something happened. And Yes, yeah. Like you we, see we a guy stretching weirdly on the broadcast. No. We had reason weird. to believe that, and maybe we were just optimistic and wanted the best for Whit Merrifield <laughs> to go play for a contender. He still um, could get traded. Interesting one here. Uh, I have Yon Duran, Araldis Chapman, I assume, AJ Minter. I'm going to assume Tanner Scott again. Drop one. Who's the guy you're dropping there? Scott, just because there's enough questions about that situation. Like yeah. they have other guys who can technically close. Like I don't think Bender's back yet, but um Yeah, that not yet. So Flor- he's gonna be the option. Like Dylan Floro could probably save twenty games if they let him. Um so, <laughs> like he, he's a fine reliever. I don't know. That situation seems fluid to me and like if, if they chose to to move on from a couple of those guys in the next few weeks, that wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, Chapman's a weird one because, you know, I don't know what's going on with the command right now. It's all over the place. So yeah, but given his ceiling and the Yankees, they have such a big lead like going into the second half where they can afford to just give him save chances. It's like, all right, let's see what you have. Yeah, for sure. That's a great point. That's why I have you on the show, George, because it's things like that. Because I wouldn't have thought about that. You literally can take the risk. To say the Yankees are a lock for the postseason is to say that, um, you know, the thing I was going to say wouldn't be appropriate for the podcast. But it's just like you're you're in the postseason. You might as well see and you can play with Clay Holmes being that, you know, because in the postseason, I think you want Clay Holmes pitching the ninth inning. I yes. really do. I think that's just the way it goes. Like, you know, we've seen the mix and match, like the Andrew Miller experiments and stuff like that. But there is something about blowing a save in the ninth inning that can be so different than blowing a lead in the eighth inning. You know what I mean? There's just something different about it. I'm sorry. There's no analytics that tell me this. It's I have just seen what happens to teams that blow ninth inning leads in the postseason. And I want my best guy throwing that inning. Yeah, so the way I look at it is if you're Aaron Boone, I want to put Chapman in, in a couple high-leverage situations and see how he responds to that if he rises to the challenge. And Worst-case scenario, if he loads the bases, you can bring in Holmes and say, all right, go get us a ground ball, like get us out of the inning. Like 
you you have that in your back pocket if you really need the game or something like that. But I, I want to see how Chapman does. And Minter's actually Minter might be the one I dropped. Just I think so too. Chapman's coming back. Um, yeah. Excuse me, Kenley Jansen is he's expected to come back uh, here very shortly. He had the heart related issue that put him to the injured list, but possibly he's still Tuesday. Been, yeah. So he's still been throwing, and I think they want him to come back and and reclaim that role shortly uh, here this week. So he might be the one uh, you drop, but. The Marlin situation just uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me right now. I, I'm not. I'm shaky on that one. Yeah, that's a tough one for sure. Uh, he does bring up uh, uh, the guy who asked that question. Did bring up the fact that uh, seven games this week and four against the Pirates. That's something to think about for the week, just because. Although the Pirates have been playing some pretty solid baseball as well. I mean, that's not. Those aren't guaranteed wins per se. Let's talk about prospects because I am legally required to do so. And once again, my list next week is just. It's going to be hard. The top two prospects on the list getting called up again for me and Nick Lodolo and Brian Bayo. I want to ask about Bayo first because, you know, as somebody who has followed the Red Sox for quite a few years there, George, I thought there were flashes of good in that start against Tampa Bay, but the command was pretty awful. And he's getting another chance to pitch on Tuesday. It's against the Rays again. Are you starting him this week? Well, that's the sales start. I think sales. Oh, okay. That that's right. That got changed around. I apologize. Yeah. No, no. I just. Yeah. I I was like, did I miss something with Chris Sale for a second? No. Um, Sorry about that. No. Yeah. But are you trusting him again? No, not at this point. Uh, Here's the deal. As as the Red Sox uh, aficionado with with plenty of experience following this situation, my sense and from what I've heard, they. He earned that start through his performance at AAA. But yeah. I think in an optimal scenario, they would not have wanted to start him. They were basically forced to because they literally did not have another pitcher in the organization who could go. <laughs> um, you had Sale still on the injured list, Evaldi out, uh, Waka got scratched and landed on the injured list. And then you have Garrett Whitlock still hurt. And then Tanner Haup is in the bullpen. You burn through Winkowski, Siebold, Cutter Crawford. You, you didn't have anyone else. You're on your 10th starting pitcher in the organization. So right. I think they had to go with him, and Bayo's been really good. I think the third pitch is going to be the key for him because he has those two really good pitches, but the third pitch, the command just isn't there. And, look, these are young pitchers. It takes a while. So I thought, like you said, there were some flashes of what he could be, but I think he, he wasn't totally ready for that moment yet. And, uh like a good example is like Ryan Pepiot's a good example. Like he's been yes. getting better every time he's pitched for LA. And I think that's sort of the, tr- the track I would want to follow with Bayo is how does he look? Does he look more confident? And you're starting to see that more with like Cutter Crawford. He looked good last night. He's starting to look more confident when he goes out there. So it's a process. And I think he's going to get there. He has a chance to be really, really dynamic as a fantasy contributor because of the strikeouts, but he's just not there yet. I really like Bayo and I like Bayo for this year. I hate him until at least after the All-Star break because here's what he's got going on. And he is scheduled to make these starts. So it it does look like he's going to be pitching. He is scheduled to face on Monday. He's going to be facing the Rays. And then on Saturday, he's going to be pitching in New York against the Yankees. Uh Uh-oh. Long term, I like him a ton. And again, I think he has enough swing and miss stuff. And the command is just good enough for him to be fantasy relevant. But I'm starting him against, again, we just talked about how hot the Orioles are. I'm starting him against the Orioles. I'm starting him against the AL Central teams. I'm starting him against most of the NL, AL West and some interleague options as well. 
I'm not starting this guy against the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees. It's just too risky. There's just those lineups are too good and they can load up left-handers against that guy. How do the Tampa Bay Rays have so I swear they have 35 people on the roster, man, because they can play matchups with like everybody. It seems like it's a mix and match every single time. It always amazes me. I swear they're cheating. I swear there's somehow a way. So we we do new shifts a couple times a week, both of us. Yes. And like they'll bring up a guy I've I've never heard of. I'm like, yes. who is this guy? Like, yeah. tell me who like I, I know who he is, obviously, but like who is Phoenix Sanders? Like if you told me he was like a Harry Potter character, I would be like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, I don't, I don't know who some of these guys are. Christopher Ogando, like yep. I'm sure they're great, but like I've never heard of some of them, and they come in and they're effective. So it's I'll give amazing. them a lot of credit. They're Their kind of the anti-angels. So good. Yeah, they. You know what? They totally are. The Devil Rays are the anti-angels. It's too bad that uh, they made that name change because it would have worked out perfectly. Uh, how about Nick Lodolo, who I thought looked really solid in that first start? What are you thinking about him for the rest of the year? Yeah, so I've been following him today because he's actually pitching as we record this against the Rays, and it's always tough. Like Shane Boz got lit up for seven runs in the third inning. <laughs> and you're like, all right, like go throw strikes, Nick. Like, yeah, yeah. And he got into some serious trouble in the fourth. Oh. He managed to get out of it with only, I think, three runs allowed. So he's through five now, six strikeouts, one walk, nine hits though. So that's that's tough. Only one home run. So yeah, I think the the from a run prevention standpoint, you're going to see some inflated numbers there. I don't think he's going to go out and you know, post a low three ZRA or anything like that. But anytime you can miss bats as effectively as he does, and he's going to get plenty of opportunities. He had such a long layoff. It's it's always tough. He hadn't started in the majors since late April. So then you're asking him to come out and he's had a couple of rehab starts, but then go get big league hitters out. That's always tough. So I've been impressed by what I've seen so far. It's just the, the matchups are tough with him. That ballpark too. I'm trying to look at who he's facing next week. I think he gets the Cardinals That's, on Sunday. Know. So last start before the all-star break. So interesting. Yeah, I think I've rolled the dice there. That's typically a, a, a getaway day, so to speak. There are a lot of sure. um, non-competitive games that day, it feels like. So that feels like a good <laughs> spot for him. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Yes. By the way, I just want to say 
Thank you to Major League Baseball for moving the Futures game to Saturday. I really appreciate you doing that, mainly because the MLB draft being on the same day. And for those of you who have been following my work, first, again, I apologize. I'm trying to get better. And second, um, it's a lot of work for me to cover the Futures game. And to do the blurbs for the MLB draft is a long day for me. But Major League Baseball, make the Futures game a standalone event Make it something where it's not going up against stuff. This is a really cool game where you get to see a ton of really good prospects and also some nepotism with Darren Baker being on the team that you also get to see a lot of really good young talent. Make it a standalone game, man. Make it something, you know, put it on Peacock because we love Peacock. We love it. But make it a five o'clock game on Saturday when nobody else is playing. There should not be a situation where you either watch the Futures game or watch Major League Baseball. It's the same thing as we had with the uh, Field of Dreams game last year. If it's a standalone event, make it a standalone event. I've never understood this. The Futures game is probably the most exciting game of the year. Just because it's you get to so see, fun. I mean, just the, the backgrounds and the stories and where some of these guys are on their player development uh, track. Oh, yeah. it's, it's it's awesome to see them all out there together. like, it feels like every inning's exciting because you have a new pitcher, and then it's like, oh, all right, he's gonna face this big time. Pro-. It's like that's fun. Oh, I mean, like, it's make so it its fun. own its own day. It absolutely should be its own day. And I'll say this too, like, you know, as a prospect guy, unfortunately, like, it's not a, as surprising to me. But like, I think there's a lot of people who are like who hear the name Curtis Mead or hear the name uh, uh, Jordan Lawler or something like that, and then they come to the plate and they're like, oh, that's what he looks like. Oh, that's his swing. Or, you know, you see a pitcher like, uh, like Asa Lacey, who has been terrible, but like, let's say he was in the game. It was the first name that came up. I don't know why you're like, Oh, that's what his, uh, that's what his, uh, uh delivery looks like. That's what he's going from. I think that's fun to get out. It's literally a chance to look at the future of the game. So do watch it, but MLB, man, make this, make this its own thing. I am absolutely begging you. By the way, I brought up Curtis Mead. Curtis Mead is somebody that, I would kind of consider a roster stash of right now. This guy is really good. Really, really good. And Phillies fans look away or turn away or something. They got this guy for Christopher Sanchez. Oops. Oops. A dupes. A dupes. That is a trade that they are going to look back on for a long time uh, and not be terribly happy. Let's answer another question here. Our buddy, Chad. Love you, Chad. I've hit on a ton of, of reclamation pitchers, Waka, Perez, Cueto, Wright, and wondering if I'm flying too close to the sun, oh. stashing Matt Harvey off his minors performance and win on improving O's. What do you think there, George? I don't even know where to go with this question. Uh, <laughs> uh, Harvey, here's what I – my understanding of it from, from reading into the situation is that he's going to make several more starts in the minors at AAA and Norfolk before – they even consider him as a potential option. And I don't know. I like those situations. Like he listed a couple guys there. Uh, Martin Perez, Michael Waka, Johnny Cueto. Those are guys who changed organizations. So it's sort of my, my, my fresh start change of scenery philosophy sure. where you, you haven't failed in that location yet. So it's nice to come in as the new guy and be like, Oh, here we go. Like you build a little momentum there's no, I don't have any numbers to back any of this up, but that's just what I feel is going on with a couple of those cases. And it's tough to project like who's going to pitch well and who's going to struggle. And we have so much of a track record with Harvey and 
I'm glad he's pitching and I want to see him succeed just because Me of too. everything that's gone on and with, with him professionally on and off the field. I think it's a nice story, but look, uh, there's just uh, other, you're going to have to stash him for a while. So like, that's, that's where I get hung up is how many times, you know, how long can you commit a roster spot? Cause it's not an injured list spot. So uh, like, how long can you carry a guy who's not producing at all for you when you, when you don't know what the results are going to be once he finally arrives in a few weeks? I would to say wait and see is the understatement of understatements. I just need to see what this guy's stuff looks like at the major league level. And knowing, especially facing those, I know Toronto's struggling right now. I know Boston is, has had some ups and downs. Tampa Bay's had some ups and downs. Yankees are obviously the Yankees really concerned that they're going to break my Mariners record. To be completely honest with you, my grandma would be furious. She, she, so the 1995 thing has basically made the Yankees her ultimate arch nemesis type of thing, which was uh, 27 years ago. She should probably was, let it go. Was that the Randy Johnson series where he pitched like every day? Yep, that was the Randy Johnson. That's the Edgar Martinez who thinks I'm a cool grandson hitting the double down the left field line to, uh, <laughs> to win that game. Still the most fun I've ever had at a baseball game. Still have hearing damage, I think, from that baseball game. The kingdom was so loud, George. It was like – a dilapidated building, but it could get so loud because of how it was built. Um, but yeah, I, I, for Matt Harvey, I need to see like a couple of solid outings from him before I'm even considering him for fantasy. It'd be fun to see because he, we're not that long removed from him being one of the better pitchers in baseball, but we're also not that far removed from him being one of the worst as well. <laughs> uh, this leads perfectly into uh, what I want to ask you about next, George. Would you trust Lynn this week with two starts at Cleveland, at Minnesota? So, one, would you trust Lance Lynn this week? And, two, who were some other two-star pitchers that look like solid options this week? Yeah, it's a really bad week for two-star pitchers. I had a really hard time going through this. <laughs> like, there's a You have your guys who are your, your auto starts, and I would put Lance Lynn in that category. He's not a guy I'm worried about given the track record. Um, he's going to be fine. At Cleveland and Minnesota, those are two good spots, so – not worried at all about Lynn. Um, Bo Brisky was one I came up with. Uh, <laughs> he's been pitching admirably, and I like the matchups this week because he gets the Royals and the Guardians. So those are two nice spots on the road where I'm not afraid of either of those lineups, really. And uh, he's been going deeper into games, and like there's not a lot of strikeout upside there. But I'm always quietly impressed when I have to recap his games, and I'm watching, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay, he's through five scoreless. Like, all right, cool. I think he took a, a no hitter into the sixth his last time up. So, because um, I remember, I was messaging you about that. Yeah, like, no hit watch. It happens with George every time that he's on games. Is there is somebody who's going to flirt with a no hitter, uh, taking you inside of a little bit again? Seriously, it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse. But um, <laughs> uh, Alex Cobb is the other guy I'd highlight because I, I'm not sure where his ownership uh, roster uh, percentages are out there at the moment. But um, he's a guy where the the production's kind of fluctuated uh, from a run prevention standpoint. He's kind of been all over the map. I know he's really bad at the start of the year, and it's been better lately. But uh, he gets Arizona and Milwaukee, so those are two pretty soft spots there for him. Both of those at home in San Francisco, so. I kind of like those two guys as sort of um, long, uh, I don't know, lottery ticket type guys. But, yeah, not a good week for two-star uh, pitchers. And I think it's going to be a weird week because anytime there's any sort of potential injury, like if a guy's feeling something, they're going to not take any chances. So you can see a lot of guys 100%. get scratched this week. Just be careful yep. for that as well. So Yep, and you will see some inning management type of stuff. I'm glad you kind of brought up that a little bit is uh, – 
So George Kirby got sent back down. Don't take this as anything like George Kirby is going to be in the minor leagues for a very long time. It's the Mariners don't need a fifth starter, and they're going to be managing those innings. Something to keep an eye on long-term with guys like him and Gilbert. And I think, you know, I believe Spencer Strider makes a couple of starts this week as well. Um, Yeah. I'll be very curious to see if Atlanta is really careful with his innings going forward. Um, Just because like you cannot risk that guy of long-term future there. You are just going to see that stuff. Like there are going to be moments where they have to be sat down. He's Spencer Strider has been incredible. I think he's amazing. They, they showed the uh, the Braves team stats from when he joined the rotation. They went from like twenty fourth in strikeouts <laughs> to first. And it's like okay, adding a guy who has a hundred strikeouts in, in sixty innings does that. George, um, can you say twenty fourth for me again? Twenty fourth. Uh, it, it wasn't his Boston need this time. Uh, <laughs> I, I just love that the, accent, man. It is my yeah. favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to bring that. Uh, to the show uh, yes, indeed. Contreras um, for the Pirates, too, is another guy. I think – I don't know if he's coming back up to start this week or what, but it looks like they're trying to manage his workload as well. He's another guy who's pitched fantastically. So keep an eye on his uh, availability this week as well. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about, before we get out of here, a pitcher by the name of Jacob deGrom. So Jacob deGrom was – a according to everybody that I spoke with very impressive in his latest minor league start, his next start, I believe is going to be either Wednesday or Thursday and it's going to be in AAA. They're hoping to get him up to 55 pitches. I just kind of want to play the name game with you here a little bit of pitchers that you would rather have over uh, Jacob deGrom. And we're going to start fairly high and I'll just have you go yes or no to just to, just to start, and we'll be just curious how to say. Um, let's start with his teammate, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer or Jacob Degrom for the rest of the year? Yeah, would you rather have Jacob Degrom for the rest of the year? I I hate games like this because like four months ago I would have said like Freddie Peralta. Over. I know, and you yet can't, I'm, you can't you're not following. You're, you're not following directions, George. I know. Yes or no? All right, yeah. Um, I'll take Scherzer. Okay, Sandy Alcantara, Jacob Degrom. Again, I'll, I'll take the guy who I know is healthy right now. Alcantara, as much as it pains me to do this to Jacob deGrom, I'm doing it. Okay, let's let's move down a little bit then. Let's go with Logan Webb or Jacob deGrom. That's kind of where the line is. I th- I think at that point you take deGrom. Okay. And I love Logan Webb. I've, I've been okay. a truther for a long time. But the strikeout upside just isn't comparable at the moment between the two. Carlos Rodon or Jacob Degrom? Did you see his outing yesterday? He was like I sure did, which is why I'm asking that question: Carlos Rodon or Jacob Degrom? At some point, there's going to be a shoulder issue with Carlos Rodon. That's just what the track record tells us. So, I think I take Degrom because I know Degrom's sort of healthy right now at the moment. This is tough. I don't like this game. I, and it's why I didn't tell you we were going to play this game because it's hard, but it's also why we pay you the big bucks. It's Justin me. Verlander or Jacob deGrom? Oh, man, that's that's a killer because I think Verlander is going to pitch. He, he'll, he'll pitch every day unless his arm literally falls off. That's what the career <laughs> tracker tells us. His, arm, his elbow came apart and then he had to stop pitching. Um Okay, so Verlander, the whole point, probably. Yeah, the whole point of this though is that every single one of those I think was close outside of maybe Scherzer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That I tells mean, you 
just how good Jacob DeGrom is probably going to be in the second half of the season. And it's why I'm super excited to see him on back on the mound. And if you're in a fantasy league and you can go get Jacob DeGrom, like I know he's rostered in a a bunch of leagues now. And I know that people have been hanging on to him for a reason, but I would be doing everything I possibly can to acquire Jacob DeGrom for the second half of the season. Yeah, especially in those longer-term formats, if it's a keeper or a dynasty. Oh my goodness, that's, yes. That's the type of one where I package. Like maybe I'll maybe I'll flip this on you, and I'll ask you if you give up this prospect. Like if you could trade like Corbin Carroll right now for Jacob, Jacob DeGrom, DeGrom, would you do it? Do it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and and all due respect to Corbin Carroll, who is now my number one fantasy prospect in baseball, because how I do the list is anybody who's in the major leagues, I don't treat as a prospect anymore. It's, it's one of the cool things about my list. It's all minor league players. And it also, you know, it's funny. It's like people look at top 100s and they go, Oh, there's only hundred good prospects. If you're 101st, you must not be very good at baseball. It's kind of a fun way to like show you who's the next in line to bring these guys up. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. As good as Corbin Carroll could be. I want Jacob DeGrom. I want that guy who has that chance to be, the best pitcher in baseball. And he's not like I, the, the concern here is that this is now a couple of years with injury stuff. You know what I'm saying? This is yeah. not uh, a complete out of nowhere situation. So that is my one concern, but there's no prospect in baseball that I wouldn't be, that is currently in the minors. I'm not moving Julio Rodriguez for Jacob DeGrom. Right. I'm not Bobby moving Witt, Bobby Rushman. Witt Jr. Adley Adley, Adley Rutschman would be an interesting one for me. That's, <laughs> That's interesting because yeah. just because of how many good young catchers there are in baseball right now, that would be one that I might consider. Like if I could like move him and then go get a uh, a Tyler Stevenson instead, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like yeah. where you're still filling it or even in the minor leagues, Francisco Alvarez, who, by the way, I'm super excited that guy's in AAA now. It's one <laughs> step away. As soon as he gets the call, that's a must roster for me. I absolutely yeah. am all in on Francisco Alvarez. I think you guys talked about it last week, by the way. That was so weird not being here. I've been through a part of all of these Sunday shows. Like The fact that you guys, like they called me and said, we want to do this instead of you. And I was like, what? And it was very rude. I was very disappointed that, no, that's not how it worked out at all. But um, it is Francisco Alvarez, I think you guys talked about, yeah, there's some risk there because I'm not 100% sure that he would be playing every day. You know, he might be a three-catcher t- three person. There's just not a good, enough good catching for me to not have him on my roster and in my lineup. Yeah, so that's where I stand on all of this is if you're making a trade to try and win your league this year, if you're in a longer-term format, uh, do the win-now move. That would be where I stand. And DeGrom's one of those guys. I think – Freddie Peralta, like to, to highlight another guy who I think is coming back and is yep. looking like he's going to be able to make, there were some questions whether or not he was really going to be back at all this season. Uh, he sounds like he's progressing faster than they thought. So he might be back sometime in August, which is a really good sign. So great. Yeah, there yeah. are a couple of rehabbing pitchers right now that I would uh, certainly consider over some of the prospects out there. So. Yeah. And again, you know, part of it is flags do fly forever. There, there is a reason that phrase exists and it, you, you want to win that championship and it is easier to go find a, as good as Corbin Carroll could be, as good as Francisco Alvarez can be, all of these guys are. It is easier to go find that guy than it is to go find Jacob DeGrom. It just is. As much as you might kick yourself down the road, take the chance, 
go win a championship and um, go prospect hard in the off season. You guys, <laughs> you can, you can worry about that stuff later. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks everybody for joining. Please hit like, subscribe on the YouTube. If you were watching live, please hit like, and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, whatever. I, I think you can like, and su- uh, subscribe on Spotify. I, that tells you that uh, I'm a big Spotify user, but please, by all means, download our podcast on Spotify. It's great stuff. Uh, but please hit those five stars. We really do appreciate it. Uh, next week, it will be DJ short and drew Silva filling in for me as I am going to be preparing for the 2022 MLB draft. Uh, Stay tuned tomorrow if you're listening to this on the podcast for Drew and Janice's, uh, their power rankings. If the Seattle Mariners aren't in the top 10, Drew is going to be fired. I'm just telling you right now. We riot. Yes, we riot. They've looked so good. I don't know how they're doing it. Everybody is either hurt or suspended or, you know, has been deported or something. Like, I don't understand how the Mariners have been good. Can I, can I just say, good. Julio Rodriguez might be my favorite player. I, I, I love him so much right now. I, I watch him every night almost. Yeah. I have to. And they're li- I'm on the East Coast, so it's like a 10 o'clock start. <laughs> I, I watch him every – I try to watch as much as I can of him. When he fell and they did the chalk outline, oh. it was hilarious. Like, that was so, – it was so wholesome and I loved every minute of it. That, I did too. And I have to be honest with you. I went to the game on Friday where that happened and I was sitting behind third base. That was the first game that I had been to as a fan since 2018. And I was, I might as well have been in Canada because of how many Blue Jays fans were there. Like that just happens every time in Seattle, but it was so much fun. Um, And to see like him do the little swim move and stuff like that to try to get to the base. I mean, he just has so much personality and to, to end it on a bit of a downer note, that's why it was so frustrating to see the former disgraced president of the Mariners go out of his way to insult the guy in a podcast. Hope Kevin Mather is having a miserable day. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You can follow me at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow George at George Bissell. That's double S and double L. And we will talk to you guys very soon. that it's the call of the crave and when the crave calls you know what to do try the five dollar bacon bundle because the only thing better than a white castle slider is a white castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon so pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider 1921 bacon cheese slider or chicken bacon ranch slider and also get a small fry for just five dollars with the five dollar bacon bundle white castle follow your crave A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.